Well, good morning. Uh, good morning, Open Door Fellowship Church. I'm back with you. It's Caleb Lynch, uh, lead pastor here at Open Door Fellowship. And, uh, whoo, I, uh, I'm not loving doing this. I miss you guys. I'm, uh, it is an awkward thing to stare at a camera and try to give a sermon. Uh, man, it is, it's eating me up. And uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I, I have loved being with my family. Uh, I've loved getting to, we've been barbecuing a ton, just being outside in this beautiful weather, going on bike rides, hanging out. Um, I bought my daughter some new little baby goats, built a little goat pen. So that's been fun. After this whole thing's over, you're going to have to come see them. Um, but man, this is this has been a tough time. And uh, But I love you guys. I miss you. What a beautiful Easter. Uh, I don't know how many of you got to tune in for Easter Sunday, but that was a beautiful thing. Uh, that service, this is encouraging you guys, that service reached about a thousand people that day. And, uh, and, and the days passed. So what a beautiful declaration of that resurrection power and the work of God in people's lives. Those testimonies were unbelievable. So thank you. Um, thank you to all of you that, that shared and encouraged my heart, lifted me up, and um, man, reminded me of, of this God that we've, we've put our trust in and how he is alive and well. So um, hey, if, if you are just tuning in, I don't know how you've connected or whatever, how you're doing it, but I want to I want to tell you a little bit about Open Door Fellowship Church. We are a group of people that are silly, crazy in love with this guy named Jesus, and we believe uh, that there is power to be found in his name, that there is life to be found in his name, and that he came to us with this gift of grace and love and mercy and bestowed on us uh, the gift of freedom, the gift of eternity and uh, the gift of reconciliation with the God of the universe. And uh, we, we try to teach about it each Sunday we gather. Uh, we open up this book. We believe this book is a powerful book. And uh, if you don't own one, we want to give you one. So please get in touch with us. We'd love to send you one. I know we've, we've sent out a couple during this time, and that's, that's been super sweet. So um, anyways, my name is Caleb Lynch, and I, I, I get to be the, the lead pastor here. Um, what a crazy season to be doing that. I didn't, didn't know this was coming when, when, uh, when we stepped into this role, but uh, thankful to be with you. Thankful for, for you guys joining in, tuning in. Even though we're doing this virtually, it feels so good to know that we're all doing this together. So um, I, got, I got a little bit of a, a new fresh lineup going. Marsha Kuiper, thank you so much for cleaning me up. Um, man, what a, what a gift to have uh, family members that you are quarantining with that uh that that have the ability to cut hair so i was starting to look a little little different um so that's a gift let's jump into it uh today the title uh is we're staying in this pause series but the title today is expectations idols and disappointment expectation idols and disappointment um, we're hoping that during this time during this forced pause that, uh, that we as a church, that we as a community, that we as a group of people that have pushed, put our trust in Jesus Christ would slow down long enough um, to see things differently. And, uh, or, or, or maybe to remind ourselves of truths that, that we uh, have, have created as a bedrock for us, that we would rest in those, that we would find peace in those, that we would maybe reorient the way that we live our lives uh, under this umbrella and health 
uh, of peace that is found in Jesus Christ. And so uh, today, we want to talk and have a conversation about disappointment, expectations gone wrong, those things that we hoped for that didn't go our way. What a season to have a conversation like this. I want to start um, with simply sharing with you where I've been for about the last week or two. And um, it's hard to share some of these things because I am a fairly positive person. I, I am uh, pretty upbeat. Um, but I want to tell you, I've, I've not been doing well. Uh, this this, uh, this self-quarantining, this not allowing us to gather as a church has really messed me up. And... Um, about Wednesday of last week, maybe Thursday, pre-Good Friday service, pre-Easter, uh, um, I started getting really depressed, really sad, really frustrated with the situation, and really missing you guys. And it was not the way that I saw church going. It was not what I had hoped it would look like. And I, I, I went into uh, a little bit of a depression. And... It was, it was a combination of some things. I, um, I was with our dear friends, the Kalikowskis, uh, who had just lost their baby, and we were praying with them and being with them and listening to their story and uh, wanting to do a celebration of life for, for their little baby, Luke. Um, and it was breaking my heart. Their courage, uh, their steadfastness, their, their raw honesty in that moment, broke my heart. And I carried that, uh, that sadness with me into what, what I have felt like was a loss, a loss of community, a loss of getting to be with my favorite people. And um, I was frustrated and saddened and brokenhearted by the reality that um, my favorite Sunday of the year, Easter morning, where we do baptisms together, was going to be canceled. Um, at our open door campus and good Friday, we weren't going to get to worship together to take communion together in remembrance. And I got super sad. I got super choked up. I came home and I was watching some of the videos of Mike and Amy Quinn. Now this was on a Thursday afternoon. I was watching some of their worship videos from our, from our sermons. And I just started bawling. I literally just started bawling. I was sitting right here. I was on my computer and watching these videos, um, and I just started weeping. And uh, I think there was frustration, but there was more just sadness. And my wife came in, and my kids came in, and they're like, are you okay? And I said, I don't think I'm okay. I'm sad. I'm grieving the loss of what this time is doing. And I know, I know if um, Mr. Positive I'm, I'm so glass half empty, it's stupid how, how I see life. But I know if I'm experiencing that, I know many of us are experiencing the same. I know um, many of you have lost your jobs, like are not getting a paycheck right now. And I can't even imagine what you're experiencing. That, that kind of thought keeps me up at night of what I would do in those situations. And so my heart is with you. I know you're grieving. Some of you have lost those you love. 
either through this this disgusting disease or through other times. Some of you uh, have people that you love that are in care facilities that are in their last days and you're not able to be with them. Some of you have family members and grandkids that you haven't been able to hug in a long time. Some of you had trips planned and events planned and different things on the schedule that have had to be canceled. Some of you have had your senior year of high school taken from you. Your, your championship team that you were on never got a chance to prove itself. I, I know that disappointment, unmet expectations, at times during this last month have been the norm. And I don't want to ignore it. I hope, my hope, is that during this time of pause, that we could pause as a church long enough to identify that disappointment, to verbalize that disappointment. And in the same time, that we would pause long enough to hear the voice of hope beckon and call us into a new season. He does have life on offer. It claims that in this book that he has fullness of life on offer. I want to I read you um, a story from the Bible. And I'm going to read it right here just because it's easier for me to read than fumbling through here. Don't worry about it. We'll be all right. I got it right here. We're, we're strong. Uh, but I want to read you a story. And this is in John 5, 1 through 13. And um, I, I, I'll just read bits of it. I'm going to kind of jump around. But a uh, beautiful story of what disappointment uh, looks like in the face of our Savior. And so I'll just read it, read it to you. This is John 5, uh, 1 through 13, if you, if you want to find it. Uh, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen as well. Soon, after the feast had come around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool. In Hebrew, the pool was called Bethsaida, with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years, 38 years. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, he said to the man, Sir, do you want to get well? The sick man said, Sir, um, when the water is stirred, I, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else has already gotten in. Jesus said, get up, take your bed roll, and start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bed roll, and he walked off. That day happened on the Sabbath. The Jews who saw him stopped this healed man and said, it's the Sabbath. You can't carry your bed roll around. 
it's against the rules. But he told them, the man who has made me well told me to. He said, take up your bedroll and start walking. They asked, who gave you the order to take up and start walking? But the healed man didn't know, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. What a, what a beautiful uh, story. And um, what, I, what, what maybe I love the most about it is Jesus coming up to him and before identifying who he is, before identifying what he's capable of doing, just asking a simple question. Do, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? The guy's been laying there for 38 years by these pools. 38 years. Jesus in his ministry at this point is 33 years old. This man has been laying at these pools longer than Jesus has been alive on earth. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be healed? It's interesting. We would all say, well, of course he wants to be healed. Who, who in their right mind would not want to be healed? But then, but then the response of this man helps us understand his position. He understanding his heart. He immediately goes to blame. Well, I, I don't have any friends. No one seems to care about me. And I, 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 I'd be fine if, 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 if I just had someone there to help me. And, and I'm... And I'm certainly not fast enough. There's always someone that's a little quicker that gets there before me. And instead of Jesus saying, I'm sorry, I hear you, I understand where you're at, that's painful. He just says, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's an interesting story, right? Like it's, like it's kind of confusing, but I think there's beauty in it. I think there's beauty in us realizing that for many of us, this is, this is me included, there are times where I have a really unhealthy relationship with my hurt and my disappointment and my unmet expectations. Like, like sometimes I associate with them for way longer than I needed to. Have you ever had those conversations with someone who has been hurt? And, you, and, and they tell you the story of their pain. And then years later, you talk to them again. You meet them at a coffee shop and you say, how you doing? And they tell you the same story of their pain, of their existence. There, there is, you guys, there is no rule that says that your disappointment, that your unmet expectations has to dictate your existence. Jesus just says, that's enough. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. I love that it's Jesus that pursues him. I love that it is Jesus who asks him the question, are you ready to give up? That identity found in your expectations and to move into something new. 
And then he just says, get up. How crazy that the Pharisees come up to him afterwards and say, hey, hey, you're not allowed to get up and be healed miraculously on a holy day. Are you crazy? <laughs> and he's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this guy walked up and said, time to get up. So I got up. Like, what do you, what do you want me to do? And they're like, who told you to do that? He's like, man, I didn't even catch a name. All I know is I'm walking. I think that's sometimes um, how Jesus works. You're stuck in the pain, in the grief, in the frustration, and all of a sudden something comes along and you're like, I don't even know how to identify that, but I know I'm moving. I'm on my feet again. I, uh, I was super down. And many of you, uh, unbeknownst to you, you did not know this, but um, a couple dozen of you on Tuesday and Monday and Wednesday of this week, you just wrote me and you said, hey, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for how you are keeping us connected during this time. Thanks for your desire to keep teaching the truth and, and preaching. And I got to tell you, I um, was undone by it. It got me back up on my feet. I wanted to give up. I wanted to have every excuse possible about why I couldn't go on doing it this way in front of this camera. And you guys got me back on my feet. I can remember going to bed Tuesday night and getting a text message from someone saying, hey, um, we've got some funds. We'd love to help some people in our body if they need help. Waking up that next morning, two other people wrote me the same text message. Hey, we've got some funds. We'd love to be able to help those in need. Hey, by the way, thanks for what this church is doing during this time. I have been undone by the reality that you guys, being used by the God of the universe, have encouraged my heart to get up keep moving. For, for me, um, it's not always blame. When, when these things that I held so valuable feel like they're getting stripped from me, these expectations, these hopes, these dreams, when it feels like they're being taken away from me, it's, it's not always blame for me. I don't, I don't go like that, that, that guy did where, where he goes, man, I don't got no friends. I'm not fast enough. I can't get, I, I don't go there where I go is this word called hopelessness. I go real somber. I put my head down and I just start moping around. There's another story, I'll, I'll read it for you. This, this is a perfect story for where we were last week. We just got done with the resurrection. So this is the day of the resurrection. And there's these two guys. They were disciples of Jesus, not, not the 12 disciples, but some of the other uh, part of the posse that were hanging out with Jesus. And, the, and they're walking down this road super depressed because they don't know that Jesus has just raised from the grave. And, and, and here's how the story record, record, records it. Um, I'm picking up in Luke 24 and starting in uh, verse 13. The very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. 
While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still. They looked sad. Then one of them, named Cleophas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. <coughs> and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since this all happened. And they kept going a little further down the road, and then Jesus said to him, to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then this is beautiful. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We had hoped that he was going to deliver us from the tyranny of the authorities. And he didn't. He was crucified and he was killed. What they didn't know was that hope was walking with them on that road. They were going home. They had put their heads down and they were defeated and they were going home. This is a lot. Um, this is a lot more of a picture of what I experience. I had hoped it was going to be like this, and now that it's not, I put my head down, I take my ball, and I go home. And I mope and I sit. What I forget to realize in these moments is that there is one who contains all hope, who has the power to sustain all life, who, who, when he was talking with these guys, he opened up the book, this book, and he said, look, see right here at the start? That was me. See right here at this point? That was me. See this point right here? I was there. See this point? This is when I drew near. And he keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps going, and he says, look, from the beginning up until this very moment, I have been present. When things didn't go the way you had hoped, I'm still here. And remember, I'm the one that is drawing near to you when you are walking away from the promise that is back in Jerusalem, which is the risen Jesus. I came and I found you. Is that not a beautiful picture of what this God, this Jesus that we have put our hope in, does with us in the midst of our unmet expectations? He goes and finds us on that dusty road of despair, and he says, look, 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 stop being foolish. I am in charge. 
I know it's not playing out the way you thought it might, but I'm in charge. I've been there from the beginning and I've been there now and I will be there till the end. And I am not tired. I am not bored. I am not sleeping. I have not lost control. I am in it. And if you have declared my name, I am in you and you are in me. So pause, pause long enough to hear the voice of the one who is sovereign, <coughs> the voice of the one who, <coughs> who is in control, pause long enough to hear his voice say, time to get up. I know it hasn't gone the way you had hoped, but it's time to get up. It's time to stand up. I got something for you. Don't be foolish. I've been here from the beginning to the end, and I will meet you in the midst of that despair, in the midst of that thing that you had hoped for. You might even use a term idol in this moment, that thing that you had put all your weight on, that thing that you were longing for. He says, look, I got something for you. I promise I'll be with you. I promise that I've gone before you, and I promise that I have something for you. It's time to get up. Take your bed. Not going to be needing it laying there anymore. It's time to go. It's time to get up. I love you guys. I hope that uh, these words encouraged you. I know they encouraged me, and I know that um, you guys encouraged me. You have been a gift to me in this time where I just wanted to pack up shop and go home and mope around and lay there with every excuse in the book and your words, your love, your encouragement, your generosity has convinced me that this Jesus we serve is alive and he is well and he is in control and he sits on the throne and he has us. And so may these words encourage you. May they bless you. May you pause long enough this week to embrace this reality. I love you guys. And uh, will you please join me in taking communion? Um, what we do every Sunday that we gather, and we are gathering. You better believe it. We're gathering. We take communion together. And if you've never done it before, it is this simple. Jesus Christ, before he died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins, he said, look, I'm going to give you this juice, this wine, and I'm going to give you this bread, and I want you to take it, and I want you to remember what I did. The, 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 the juice is, is my blood spilled. The bread is my body. Just use it as, as a remembrance of what I have done for you. And so we do it every Sunday because we, we know the reality of the power that took place that day when we were saved, when we were redeemed, when we were set free from the bondage of our own sin. And so we do it every day. So if, if, if you've never taken communion before, if this is your first time, I know there are some of us together today who have never done it. It is so simple. Um, you take whatever you got. We've been doing some random stuff, but you take something to drink and you take something to eat and you just say, Lord, I, I, I remember you. And you, you can do it as a declaration, you can do it as a celebration, you can do it as a thanksgiving, and you just take it as a remembrance. 
So that's what we're going to do this time. We're going we're gonna to go have worship with the Quins. Feel free to take whatever you have to, to do communion. But let me pray for us and, uh, and then go enjoy this beautiful weather and have a, have a phenomenal day. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are alive and that even in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our grief, that you are right there with us, that you pursue us, that you draw near in the midst of our disappointment and that you say, look up, it's time to get up. There's a whole world out there. And it doesn't mean, Lord, that you disregard our pain, but you enter into it with us and you say, I, I have something in front of you. Lord, may we stop and pause long enough to say, Lord, what are you up to? What are you doing in our hearts? And may we hear your voice. May we hear the hope that is found in your name. We love you, Jesus, and we give you our day. We give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Miss you like crazy. See you soon.
come with trumpet sound.
Be gracious to you, Lord, turn in.